No matter where your business is today or where you want to take it, you'll get there faster and more profitably with an operating system. Welcome to Team OS, your guide to starting, growing, and optimizing a real estate team. Here's your host, Ethan Butte. For insights into starting, growing, and optimizing your real estate team, we're talking with Levi Rogers. A few fun facts before we get started. He was deployed all over the world as a Special Forces Green Beret. After surviving an IED attack in Afghanistan, he retired from the U.S. Army and started a real estate career inspired by sound advice he received years earlier from a great realtor, Gary Langdon. His military decorations and professional awards are far too numerous to mention. Thanks for talking Team OS today, Levi. No, hey, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Uh, I appreciate the great intro and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, being a, a part of helping somebody along their journey uh, through you guys. So thank you. Awesome. I appreciate the way that you framed that up, too. That's what this is all about, is every story is different. There's something to be learned from everyone. I think a lot of people go into, whether it's a podcast or a blog post or a book or a guide or even a conversation or a stage presentation, looking for the magic answer. But there is no magic answer. It's taking things from lots of different people and figuring out how it works for you and your team and your situation. Absolutely. I agree with that. You know, I uh, think back to my journey and, you know, I pulled things from different operators in the space, uh, made it my own and uh, continuing to do that, honestly, every day. I think I think when you mention that, though, sometimes uh, sometimes the answer is uh, closer to you than you than you think. You know, we tend to to look further and bigger uh, where, um, you know, sometimes the answer is right right in front of your face. Yeah, really good. So it's about paying attention. Okay. Before we get too much farther, because I, I know we could talk all to, all day together. Nope. Um, I want to start with our standard opener that I've asked literally everyone who's been in your seat so far, which is what is a must-have characteristic of a high-performing team? You know, I, I think back to my journey and I, I think that uh, adaptability, you, you know, uh, real estate is like this constant startup environment uh, where you need to have an organizational decision to be adaptable. Um, and, you know, what I mean by that is if, if you're afraid of change, um, it, you know, you should something you should fear more is being changed. Uh, it's far easier and better to change uh, under your control uh, ahead of being changed. And so uh, for us, uh remaining committed to being adaptive, uh, not only to what's happening now, but what can happen in the future. And so we pay a, a lot of attention to that. So adaptability for, for our organization, for sure. I love it. I think so often in these conversations, uh, we talk a lot about um, operating procedures, standards. What do we make consistent? What do we harden? What do we hold people accountable? I know there's a little bit of flexibility in that. Part of it is to the way that we operate and the standards that we set as a group, but then also to the things that you need and want uh, to do for yourself. And there's, you know, so there's some flexibility there too. But adaptability, like how do you build that? Is that a cultural component? Do you actually have like some formal standards around adaptability or is it just this thing that you talk about and live out and try to model? Well, I think a little bit of both. You know, um, I look back to my I grew up professionally in the Army and as a Green Beret. A lot of what we do is remaining nimble, flexible, uh, adapting to the environment in which we are in. Uh, one day we may find yourself in Central South America uh, in a semi-permissive environment. The next day you may find yourself in Afghanistan where it's completely non-permissive. And so uh, I, I think, um, you know, with me being as involved as I am in the company, um, it's naturally going to be 
adaptable. Uh, I think uh, some of our um, partners, uh, you know, such as Zillow Group, I mean, Zillow Group is continually uh, looking forward for that next big thing and how to support the customers today, tomorrow, and the future. Uh, and so we've just made an organizational choice uh, that uh, we must remain adaptive. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, people will just be more flexible than us and, you know, they'll get the deals. They'll be able to serve the customers uh, that, um, that we were just too, uh, how do I say it, too set in our ways to, to change for. So, uh, oh, yeah, it's a little bit of both for sure. What did you carry from your, your military leadership experience into your real estate leadership experience? Um, what, what really adapted well there? And maybe what did you have to change? Uh, in a, I mean, you have one life, but essentially, um, you know, two, two dramatically different careers within it. Um, what carried over well and what did you maybe have to adapt in that transition? I think that, you know, for, for the military, um, when I think about military leadership, I think about people, you know, um, and uh, when you lead people in combat, uh, you know, their needs, um, you know, are first and foremost. So I give the example of, you know, when, when you're standing in line at the chow hall or at the, um, when it's time to eat, you know, no leader in the military is going to eat before their troops. Um, and so I've taken that mindset uh, here into real estate leadership. But, uh, you know, I am uh, I go to bed and I wake up every morning. So how am I going to provide opportunities for our people, whether that be through training or to, to be through connections or what have you um, or accountability? And so uh, for me, people. Uh, you know, uh, people is uh, a big part of why our army and our Navy and Marines and just our, our military force has done so well defending our country, uh, because there's a, a huge focus on the people. And so, uh, yeah, that, um, I, I think that the, the biggest challenge for me, um, you, you know, was, um, you know, I sit back and think, you know, we have, when, when you get into, real estate and all you know is is military and you're in military city usa san antonio texas you're going to attract others like you and so one of the biggest challenges as i went into leadership uh, militarily or, or in real estate was i was attracting other military leaders as well and some of the times when they run into situations these are these are uh, men and women that would walk in a room in the military and people would stand up you know, and then now you're in real estate and nobody really cares about you. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, I really don't care who you were then. Um, what can you do for me today? And so transitioning um, from uh, military culture to civilian culture and uh, helping teach others how to adapt to that has been probably one of the biggest challenges I faced uh, as it pertains to your question there. And so thank you for that. It also made me think about like the salesperson where, you know, whether it's week to week, you know, from a goal setting and delivery standpoint, like week to week, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, it's kind of like, you know, what have you done for you lately? Or in the case of an outside real estate where people aren't as independent, and they're actually direct employees of what have you done for me lately? Um, you know, the scoreboard resets every, you know, whatever time period you're looking at, and no one's going to stand up for you. Um, except maybe at the end of the year, if you, you know, get some award, they'll stand up for you. And then it's like, what did you do this year? What did you do right. this quarter? Um, so there's a hard reset. I would love for you, um, for context for the rest of our conversation, uh, to characterize your team however you'd like. Um, you know, how long have you been running it? Um, you know, market, you already mentioned San Antonio, um, size, culture, um, you know, the path into it, whatever you want to share about the Levi Rogers Real Estate Group. I'd love for you to share that. 
I appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I think that when people think of our company, they think of a couple of things. Uh, you know, one, Texas. Uh, another thing I think of, uh, Zillow, uh, huge partners with Zillow Group, uh, since the beginning, uh, since I was an individual agent, uh, running around in my truck. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, again, people, uh, you know, we have, uh, right now over just a little over 300 total people, uh, agents and staff combined. Uh, and we're rapidly growing and, um, scaling our operations throughout Texas. And, uh, uh, just hyper committed on serving uh, our customers that are out there and, uh, and making sure that our agents are trained um, and have the opportunities uh, that they need to continue um, to continue in this industry, especially during these times where it's uh, a little more challenging than what we experienced a couple of years ago. So, very good. Uh, so you started as a solo agent, of course, like like I think almost every team leader did. Um, yeah. uh, what was that journey like for you? Like, when did you decide I need to bring someone alongside me, maybe a part-time assistant, or maybe it was a, a buyer's agent or a showing assistant or something else? Like, what were the earliest stages of this transition from, um, I'm a real estate agent and I want to do more or build more or whatever? Like, what was that like for you? What was that about? It's a, it's a great story. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. So, um, you know, I, I got into real estate. It was, it was, it was kind of oblivious. You know, I just got into real estate because I was inspired to help people as I was helped. And so, uh, I didn't know that there was a, uh, you know, you could create a huge business out of this. And, um, you know, so, uh, nonetheless, um, I started to build a name for myself as an individual agent. I was at a Remax office and they, a great organization treated me wonderfully while I was there. Um, and, um, you know, people started to see, you know, Levi's name on the leaderboard and uh, started to me running in and out of the, the office. And so um, I'll never forget one day um, this uh, lady that was in our office, her name is Michelle Gamel. Uh, she uh, came running up to me and she said, hey, Levi, you should start a real estate team. And my response to her was, what's that? Um, and so um, it was that instance that uh, Michelle came to me, uh, who it's important to note, Michelle is uh, team member number one. And she's still on our team to this day. And so, um, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, um, I think back to that and that's really how it happened, you know, and I just started getting on uh, Google and figuring it out and, uh, uh, reaching out to people. Um, you know, there was a gentleman named Ronnie Matthews uh, who had. Uh, a team in Remax and uh, at the time, uh, and uh, Ronnie, uh, my broker and I reached out to him. He invited me to Houston, spent an entire day with me. And uh, uh, just uh, led me down that path to where um, I could believe that I could do it too. And so that's how it started. No, uh, no big school or no uh, amazing coach or anything like that. Just uh, reaching out to people. I love it. That's one of the reasons we started the show is that um, it seems like coaching is one path or this idea of Googling and, you know, hoping to get some, you know, stitch this to that, to the other thing. Um, and our goal here is to, is to get different people's stories and perspectives. And as we said, right off the top, pull this from her, pull this from him, be reminded of this from him and, you know, be inspired to, to do that by her, um, as part of someone's journey. So I hope, hopefully Michelle, if that were to happen to, to someone else today, uh, she could point him to the show, but, um, I would love to know like, um, approximate team size and what were kind of like the in staff to agent maybe just ballpark is fine and like what were some of the key inflection points for example did you hang around with like you know you and a couple support staff and a handful of agents for a little while and then you had to like decide okay 
are we going to step on the gas and go? Or some circumstance says, oh, we better step on the gas and go. Like, like what were the, where are you today? And kind of what were the key kind of phases of, or, or iterations of the team along the way? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It could probably, that could probably, that response could probably do the whole podcast. Um, but, uh, uh, today we're a little over 300 people, uh, about 25 staff members and, uh, routing about, uh, 10 to 15, uh, net increase agents a month. Uh, we run a highly accountable, uh, program. Uh, we're a team. We're operating as a legit team. So there's a high level of accountability, accountability, uh, that happens. That's delivered to the agents via their mentors. We have mentors on the list side and the buy side. Uh, uh, we have a full-time ISA staff that's here seven days a week from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, to keep our external partners, uh, whether it be Zillow or whatever other partners that we have out there, to keep them happy. There needs to be a high level of accountability, training, and reporting that goes on. It needs to be systemized. It needs to be managed. And so uh, I think one of the things a lot of team leaders fail to realize is that um, – yeah, I'm going to start a team. Oh, yeah, I'm a great individual agent. But once you take on the responsibility of people and families, well, well then, you know, I, I would move to say that you have to show up to work more, that you have to be involved more. Uh, because, you know, my responsibility is the people and families that depend on me, period. We're about to have our Christmas party, and I'm going to look out in the crowd, and there's going to be over 400 people there. And I have to make sure that they know that I am absolutely committed to them as well um, and actually do it. And so uh, I think along our journey, though, and you talked about phases, uh, you know, I started out with team member number one, Michelle, um, and that was just uh, Levi, you know, that's what I think back in the day when Zillow would email you a lead, you know, and uh, um, and so uh, we'd convert it. I had a staff member um, who would uh, help with the conversations and, and help uh, with compliance and so forth. And we just naturally grew. I think the team was uh, about 10 people. And then uh, I decided to exit and start a Remax franchise. Uh, we had a Remax franchise titled Remax Military City. Um, we did that for five years. Grew the company to about 25, 30 people. Uh, and um, right when our partnership with Zillow um, yielded a huge opportunity, when Zillow Offers came about, uh, I was fortunate to um, have the contract with Zillow Offers in San Antonio as well as Austin. Uh, we were in a... Um, a must scale with your partner Zillow um, uh, type situation. And so that's when we made the organizational decision that we needed to uh, get more people because the volume was just insane. And so, um, and then that's how we did it. And we've been committed to it ever since. And so, Super. Thank you. But you're right. I, I've got so many follow-up questions. We could easily go another 45 minutes just on that topic alone. And we might double back into some of them. Uh, but first, a quick one. Uh, you mentioned San Antonio and Austin. How many like distinct markets are you? is your team operating in right now? So San Antonio, Austin, and Colleen. And our uh, Colleen is another military uh, city, um, which is just uh, north of Austin. Um, and it's a small town. Um, however, it's growing rapidly. Uh, Austin, of course, is, is Austin and then San Antonio. So uh, about 90% of our company, though, is in San Antonio. The senior leaders around you, I mean, this 25, if I, if I did the math approximately correctly, I heard 25 staff to say, you know, 275-ish agents. Um, and, and I know that number is moving and growing, but it, obviously you, you personally need to have, a, and you mentioned a mentor program, which is probably a great way to build some amount of scaled leadership inside 
um, that that agent population. But talk about some of the senior leaders who uh, are around you and how you've maybe taken off some of the hats that you had. You had to wear all the hats, you know, when you were, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 20, 30 people. Of course, as you grew and you made this commitment to kind of like step on it and kind of grow with the opportunity that was uh, that you had created for yourself um, with a great partner. What types of leaders did you bring around you? And was it to kind of like, you know, leverage your your strengths and to kind of complement your weaknesses? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's a good point. I, I'm I'm not the most organized fellow in the world. And so I'm more of a, you know, action type guy. We'll figure out the paperwork later. Um, and so, um, you know, our president and managing broker, Myra Torres, uh, extremely organized. Uh, she handles uh, a lot of the office staff and, uh, you know, ensuring everybody gets paid, et cetera, et cetera. So she runs most of the staff. Um, and um, we have uh, eight mentors uh, that are led by our director of buyer, uh, buyer agent operations, Jason Brooks. Uh, he's been with me a long time as well. Um, and so uh, we've got our eight mentors and then we have a listing side mentor uh, and a staff that on the listing staff as well. And so there's a listing coordinator and a listing facilitator as well as a logistics coordinator um, and all go into play to um, the listing side transactions and how they happen in our organization. But uh, uh, absolutely uh, staying engaged with the leadership um, and having consistent uh, meetings. We, we meet every Thursday at 1130. Sometimes those meetings go pretty long and, um, you know, uh, and staying involved is uh, something that I think that uh, is important for our organization as well. I don't know that, uh, at least right now, I don't know that I'll ever be able to cut out. You know, I still enjoy, I really enjoy coming to work, you know. And so, um, you know, there'll be days where I'm jumping on follow-up boss and digging in the system and um, just seeing what I could find to fix, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, I feel we have a great culture of accountability here, a great culture of leadership. Uh, our mentors uh, and our broker, and uh, they 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 solve 90% of the problems in our organization, which really allows me to focus on future operations, uh, figuring out how can we position ourselves uh, better uh, than the competition, um, you know, for what's going to come. Uh, business development is a big thing that I'm doing as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I walk that floor. I walk that sales floor every day. I'm out there engaging with the agents to see what I can learn, see what I can solve. And uh, I think that, Staying out there and then just being present is also important. And, um, you know, one of the things we used to do in the military is that, you know, sometimes you have missions that are like direct action missions. You'll go capture or kill a bad guy and you have a set mission that you're supposed to go do. But then other things you would do are what are called presence patrols. And a presence patrol is, hey, we know the bad guys are in this area. Let's go drive around and see what we can stir up type thing. Uh, and bringing that mindset to real estate you know, I walk anywhere in this organization. Sometimes uh, uh, that is um, met with open arms and sometimes it's like, oh, crap, Levi's coming, you know. And so, um, you know, but it, it just depends. And so it's uh, but it's constantly we're constantly evolving and constantly learning. Uh, I don't get it right every time. And uh, we were just in a, a session today. We're doing our end of the year planning. And, um, you know, I walked out of there with more learns than than I walked in there with. So it's um just staying engaged, I, I believe, is a, a key attribute to real estate leadership. Yeah, I have always, I've not, I've never been a salesperson or a quota carrying salesperson or led a sales team, but I have definitely won in a variety of ways, obvious and non-obvious, you know, through what I describe as managing by walking around. 
you know, uh, there's just so much, there's, there's a lot that can happen there. And some of it is the presence, you know, just to use that word again. And part of it is like, you know, just having conversations with people that aren't scheduled. Sometimes it winds up being a question that they have that they maybe wouldn't have raised up and asked, but your presence alone creates the opportunity for it. And sometimes it's just a matter of exposure and learning and like feeling this connectedness. Anyway, you just teed up and you kind of been you, you've given me a couple of inroads anyway. A place I really wanted to go with you is your annual planning process, which you've been doing about the same way, probably with iterations and improvements uh, for several years now. As we record this, you know, mid-December, you, you already mentioned that you've got a Christmas party coming up. Uh, you already mentioned like Thursday meetings. You just mentioned that you uh, were coming out of um, some, some 2024 planning. This is going to release in early 2024. I would love for you to share, because I know someone's behind the curve on this. They're like, oh my gosh, the calendar turned <laughs> I need to do my annual planning um, or, or people are constantly planning. I would love for you to share that process when it occurred to you and what about the, the guts of it or the core of it was so resonant with you in the beginning that you're like, this is our process. Like, what did that click for you? Just share a little bit about that now and we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things is that, you know, as an Army Green Beret, I mean, you know, we get put in a lot of very dangerous situations throughout the world. And so, you know, planning is a very big part of what we do, um, you know, before execution. I, I mean, you're spending a lot more time planning than you are actually uh, doing the operation in most cases. And so whether, when and how to leave sales production, it's one of the biggest challenges and hardest transitions in the growth of your team or brokerage. That's why it comes up in many of our conversations here on Real Estate Team OS for instant access to two subscriber only episodes on this challenge. Visit realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. You'll get email exclusive insights and guest previews every week. You'll get subscriber only episodes as they release. And you'll instantly get how to leave sales production successfully and why to stay in sales production. Two episodes, nearly an hour of content with perspectives from a dozen team leaders on the biggest challenge and hardest transition you'll face. Sign up right now at realestateteamos.com slash subscribe. Um, you know, so planning has always been uh, something that we do, but I was in a leadership school called Leadership San Antonio, uh, and they had brought in a corporate planner uh, uh, to help facilitate some planning. And it was a demonstration. Uh, and I thought it was just the neatest thing in the world. Uh, her her job was called a graphic recorder. And so as we were doing the planning, uh, she would, you know, graphically record the whole thing. And I was just so like, amazed with it because it reminded me of my military time because we would just put whiteboards on the wall or have butcher black paper on the wall and scribble on it. Nothing as pretty as what, what she was doing. Uh, but I was just so shocked to see that that was actual position in corporate America. And so uh, I connected with her and I said, I need to bring you to my company. And so what we do is we hire Caitlin every year. Uh, she comes in, we'll do six sessions usually, uh, usually maybe one or two times a week, just depending on how the schedule brings out. Um, and it starts with just a, a huge SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, where we just go through and figure out what's good, what's bad, what opportunities exist, what threats exist. Uh, and um, sometimes it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, now, this 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 session is, uh, is something that, I mean, she's there. She's in charge. She's got a little bell to shut people up. Um, I mean, and she... Um, She'll, she'll shut me up because sometimes I'll, 
jump in and sometimes I have to leave the room to get to the end state that we're trying to get. It's sometimes it's better if I'm not there. Right. And, um, uh, so, uh, she creates the plan. She gets my intent in the beginning and, and runs with it. And so, uh, you know, right now, um, you know, real estate's like this big, huge, uh, bowl of wet concrete right now. Uh, there's a lot of people just swimming around in concrete haphazardly right now. Um, and unfortunately, some people are going to get stuck and they're going to get stuck in bad positions. And, um, you know, and so, uh, right now in the environment that we are in real estate, given the effects of the rapid, uh, rise in interest rates that we're all feeling, um, you, you know, a lot of observation, a lot of planning and preparedness uh, is uh, critical. And so, uh, yeah, we do this every year um, and there's no rules. Uh, we create, uh, um, you know, we'll list out all the problems, all the threats, everything that needs to be solved and we'll prioritize them and then we'll take action on them. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. It helps us uh, decide to transition from Remax uh, to an independent real estate company. Um, and we actually, in our office, have uh, a very condensed version of the planning of that year on the wall so that our agents know uh, that we plan, we prepare, we take action. And so, um, yeah, it's a huge part of what we do. And you have to have the maturity to um, look in the mirror. I can't ask my people to look in the mirror to solve their problems if we as an organization are not willing to look in the mirror to solve our problems as well. So. Man, a lot there. Okay, uh, I have heard you say before, um, you need to look in the mirror more than you look through the glass. This idea of you yeah. pay attention to yourself uh, as opposed to looking out at other people. Um, I also like the glass piece, A, because it works against the mirror, but then B, you know, like the glass houses scenario um, right. is, one that, is one that's always worth a, a reminder on. Second, uh, bonus points for committing to leadership school. I love that aspect where you kicked off um, that you met someone at this leadership school. And and I guess what are, where I want to go next to hear a little bit more on is this idea of a third party facilitator. Very often, I think if someone, for example, if someone's transitioning to say an EOS type model uh, for like a regular cadence for their meetings or that type of a thing, um, they'll bring in a facilitator and it's probably to uh, learn the process, learn the language, figure out how to take what they read in the book or watched in some videos and bring it into their office. And then they're off and running. I, I think it's super powerful for several reasons you mentioned to bring in a third party, especially someone who's now doing it for the fifth or sixth year in a row with you where she knows enough about the personalities and the market and where we've been, but has enough distance to come in and say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to break up the normal flow of this stuff and leave. I know, like, I, I know you want to take control of this conversation, but I'm ringing the bell on you this time. Um, talk about the benefit of having this person who's got like, you know, a foot and a half outside the organization and a foot, uh, half a foot inside the organization. I don't know if that ratio is right, but, you know, talk about the benefit of having a third party facilitator, especially for this process. Well, you know, like, like I'll break it down in an analogy that we all understand. Um, you know, and every real estate transaction, if there's a loan, there's an appraiser. Uh, that appraiser uh, really doesn't care about anybody in that transaction other than committing to his or her uh, obligation to whatever state they operate in and the rules that they are governed by. Um, and um, they provide their opinion of value and, and without fear of uh, – 
uh, getting in any kind of trouble or anything. And, and appraisers are usually right. Uh, and, um, and sometimes that's a hard fact to, to face. And so, um, you know, for us to bring in somebody that is a professional trainer, a professional planner, and somebody does this, I mean, the company she works for, she, she designs like most of the roads in Texas. I mean, like it's, you know, that's their, that's their, their company. You know, it's isn't, uh, some small C player, you know, this, this, like she's legit at what she does. And so, uh, for us to, uh, let bravado or, or macho-ness get in the way of mission, uh, that would be irresponsible. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a huge advantage to have somebody that has different lenses uh, than real estate lenses come in there and facilitate some of the most important decisions that you'll make uh, governing your organization. And, you know, uh, we don't always get it right, but um, we've got a pretty damn good track record, and, uh, and this is a, a big part of the process. Yeah, it's great. I, I would love for you to double back onto the visual nature of this too. You already mentioned one benefit of, you know, in a pivotal year, you now have this piece that you can share with other people. I also, I mean, my imagination of this, or perhaps you gave it, gave me this image, um, is that it's like, it's like, it's large. It's like an eight foot, you know, kind of visual representation. So like actively working through that is super powerful because, I would assume that, you know, after the process uh, is done and you have kind of a finished piece, it's something that people can refer back to all of the time, especially because of, again, leading by man, uh, leading by walking around, um, other people walking around. It's like a constant present reminder. I think there's something really powerful about the visual reminder, too. Yeah, absolutely. I, at the end of the day, if we, if we look at real estate agents, I mean, you know, nothing, I, I love our community, but oftentimes we try to fight culture in, in real estate leadership. And, and I'm like, Hey, let's build systems around it. You know, if you look at the avatar of most real estate professionals, you know, Hey, uh, they're, they're in the real estate because of the flexibility, adaptability that real estate industry provides to them. They want to make as most money as fast as possible, help as many people as fast as possible. Um, and then have a great life, you know? And so, uh, if I if I put like all the information listed out in some printed uh, paragraph type paper on the wall, nobody would ever read it or look at it. And so, um, you know, and so I just need to go where the people are. And uh, I think that, um, you know, graphic uh, representations of stuff uh, really, really helps me, you know, and so. You know, it seems to work with our, our company as well. And then it also gives you something to source back to as well. And the people that were in that planning room that helped us uh, plan through the transition from Remax to independent company to independent company. I mean, I'll see them over there oftentimes when I'm walking the floor, just looking at it. You know, they can, they, they see those sticky suggestions that they put on there in 2020 um, that have become a reality today. It's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, I would love for you because you uh solo agent, uh, agent leading a team inside a Remax team, you, you got a franchise, then you went independent. I think a lot of people who are, um, I'll, I want to share two stages here and I'd love for you to give some advice to this person. The agent who's thinking about starting a team and trying to figure out, do I do this inside the brokerage I'm in or do I need to go somewhere else to do this? That's one big bucket. The other bucket is that team leader who's thinking about their future and trying to figure out, should I be, um, you know, a franchisee and open a brokerage or should I go independent and essentially open a teamerage, like an independent teamerage? So start with the solo agent. Um, how might they think about kind of the dynamics? Can I do what I want to do here? What should they look for? What should they ask? What should they ask themselves? What should they ask the people around them? Like any advice for that person thinking about like, I want to do more. 
I think it looks like a team. I don't know if I can do it here or not. That's a, that's a tough question because every, every brokerage has, you know, advantages and disadvantages, right? You could be with a, a huge big box brokerage that gives you advantages and disadvantages that a small independent may not or vice versa. Uh, I think just, uh, really, uh, take a, a deep dive into what it is that you want. Uh, if you're looking at growing a team, uh, in the next year to five people, may just stay where you're at. Uh, maybe you go in and look at uh, what kind of uh, financial structure and support the brokerage will still offer you um, with the five people, 10 people, 15, 20 people. Uh, I would really take a, um, a huge dive into uh, your business planning and make sure that you have the, the financial resources to support people um, and live with your commitments uh, before you commit that you're going to pay for this or pay for that or pay for this. Uh, make sure that you understand uh, understand that um, because once you do it, it's hard to take it back. You can't say, hey, I'm going to pay for everybody's MLS fees and then realize that that was a bad financial decision and change it. And so um, I would really uh, spend, you know, 90% of your time building a, a solid plan uh, to execute at least on the, the launch, but then also uh, don't be afraid of launching either. You know, opportunities come and go so fast in real estate. And so, um, you know, we, we lost a couple opportunities in my journey um, just because I didn't, I didn't move fast enough. And, um, and so, uh, so it's, it's a happy balance, but, uh, you know, you can never have enough money either, you know, um, to, um, help you get where you need to go. I think one mistake that I, I made when I launched the, the Remax franchise is, uh, I took all the cash that I had saved up as an individual agent. Um, and, um, I, I spent it to launch a Remax franchise and I had, nice tables and chairs and things of that nature. Of course, the, the franchise fees and so forth that came along with that. But then I didn't have any operational capital left. And um, and it kind of uh, slowed my growth for a while. And it kept me in production where I should have took a really super low interest loan. Um, and it would have allowed me um, to uh, focus my cash in places where cash was required. And so that was something that I learned along that way as well. What were you saving that for? Were you were you saving that money as a solo agent because you had this vision or or are you just a financially prudent person and you were considering any investment of any kind or or were you saving it knowing you were going to invest in your own business? Yeah, so uh twofold. Um you know, I don't I don't particularly like to go blow money on dumb stuff. You know, I grew up very uh, poor. I never thought that I would have what I, I have today. Um, so everything's a, a blessing. Um, but, uh, um, you know, once I stepped into real estate leadership, uh, once I got, you know, one, two, three, four or five people on the team, that's when I knew I, I didn't want to stop. And so uh, the answer is, is both, uh, to be honest with you. Um, and so my military retirement also allowed me the flexibility to take additional risk that maybe some others uh, I didn't have. You know, I've been very fortunate to uh, – I don't have to worry about my medical uh, bills. Uh, and, um, you know, I have a consistent uh, military uh income coming in. And, uh, and then just to say, while we're, while I'm talking about that, the military treated me very well uh, upon exit, uh, and, uh, had a phenomenal transition in terms of, uh, from the government's responsibilities to me. Uh, don't, don't buy the hype when you hear about, uh, uh, servicemen and women today, um, not having opportunities. There's plenty of opportunities out there for us. So. Really good. And for folks listening who want to hear more about Levi's story, the best recording I heard of it was on the Black Rifle podcast. 
Um, So I'll link that up in these show notes. That's a, it's a full conversation. It's very specific about that experience. Um, And something you just shared there about like, you know, don't, don't believe the, you know, hype or mistruths or whatever, you know, when people start selling this, like, cause it, it, um, it was super powerful. And I guess, I guess now just to compel people to maybe give a look to the YouTube description or the podcast description to see that link, uh, to make time for it. I think you were talking about the millions of dollars that were spent to save your life, uh, and bring you to healing as fast as possible. And it's just a super powerful story. So, like, um, I hear you on that a hundred percent. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Remax versus independent. <laughs> like, um, how did that decision go for you? Like, how did you weigh it? I mean, it's not purely financial, but it is financial. Like, how did you weigh that out for yourself and in your team? And what other voices were in that, by the way? I mean, I didn't even ask you that, like in these planning sessions, um, who all, what voices are you really looking to include in those conversations, especially when as consequential as that? Yeah. Um, you know, definitely our, our trusted leadership, our trusted agents. Uh, one of the things I stole from Zillow group is, uh, Zillow group has an agent advisory board, which I've been blessed to be on for uh, quite a while. Um, and, uh, I've created an agent advisory board at my company. So, uh, we have our leadership team, you know, and, but we also have an agent advisory board, uh, which, uh, hits all kinds of different uh, perspectives as well. Um, and, um, you know, so I want to make sure anytime I bring people into planning like this, there's certainly another NDA that gets signed, you know, individually uh, to that just to protect the, the discussions for all. But, uh, um, you, you know, uh, if you could if you could restate the, the question, though, I got a little off track on there. Yeah. How did you weigh independent versus versus Remax? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, given, um, you know, some of the partners that we're aligned with, uh, Zillow Group being one of them, uh, you, you know, uh, for us, it was it was all about being able to move with the velocity and keep up with our partners. At the time Zillow offers was going on, there was a tremendous amount of changes happening in the marketplace. And unfortunately, that given the constraints at the time, Remax treated me very well. I don't want this to be like a Remax is bad type thing. But at the time, and given the circumstances we were in, um, the constraints of the finance uh, of the franchise model couldn't move as fast as what our partners and the market was moving. So uh, we needed to we needed to move. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, our largest source of business was needing us to do this, this, and this. Uh, and the franchise model prevented us from doing like 75% of that. We had to move. And that was revealed through a SWOT analysis. I'm sure some of that was there. Like you maybe had seen a couple of those pieces and someone else was feeling it a different way. You'd probably had some of those conversations ongoing, but was there anything in that annual planning process that just unlocked it? Like, okay, it's clearer than ever. This is what we need to do. Let's do it. Um, or, or was the planning more like this is an inevitability. Let's plan how we're going to do it. A little bit of both. And so one of the things I learned in the military is that we always try to, you know, understand what the commander's intent and, and, and you know, in essence, me. Um, but, um, you know, for this, uh, uh, we knew we needed to make some changes. Uh, certainly um, part of it on the courses of action that we were um, uh, considering uh, was remaining uh, with, with Remax and, uh, and seeing if they would make some changes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then also we looked at the cost of growth of where 
where we needed to get in terms of agent count and how much that would cost um, in the Remax model and what I could do with that capital outside of the Remax model. And so ultimately, um, you know, moving uh, at a velocity in which our partners moved was one of them, but there was also some financial considerations as well. Uh, and at the end of the day, the most important thing is decision authority lies with me. You know, we certainly have our broker, um, but, um, you know, I feel that I can uh, action things uh, quicker uh, than I could uh, if I was out of brokerage or if I was, um, you know, out of franchise. And so because they, they rightfully so have to, you know, have rules and constraints uh, in place. So. You're doing a lot of recruiting or someone on your team is doing a lot of recruiting or you and someone else on your team are doing a lot of recruiting together. Um yeah. What is your kind of high level on your side? Like, what is your recruiting philosophy or recruiting approach? Um, besides what I assume is probably something like always be recruiting. Uh, yeah. and, and and then on the other side, as you start engaging with people, what are some of the some, what are some of the myths or misperceptions that maybe a solo agent um, has about the team model, and how do you speak to that? I mean, essentially, I'm just asking for like, what are some of the objections you get? Um, I want to see if those kind of like round up with some of them that I've heard. Yeah, you know, I think that, that most problems in real estate are solved to more people, you know. Um, and, you know, one of the challenges that team leads have is, okay, I'm going to partner with uh, lead aggregator X, you know. I'm going to spend all this money for these leads. I'm going to spend all this money to create the appointments. But now do you have enough people to service that shared customer or not? You know, and so uh, I, I think recruiting people and training people is uh, really how we have uh, evolved, uh, you know, and, um, you know, I just I, I've seen it uh, to where when we were growing to where I was creating more opportunities than I had people to serve them. Um, and so uh, that was uh uh, our journey. And so we've just been hyper-focused on getting as many people as possible. Now, uh, there's an interview process uh, for sure. Uh, I leave that up to our mentors and, and our, our broker, our managing broker has a process that she does as well to make sure that we're getting the right agent, you know, um, and um, and that's that. But uh, if you haven't committed a crime and you're, you're legal and you're willing to be coachable, um, like, we probably want you, you know, and uh, because I, I believe in people and, you know, I've seen countless people come in here that may have not succeeded in another brokerage for whatever reason and their lives changed. And so like, I want to, I want to recruit people and, um, you know, and, and just go from there. And so I don't buy into this concept to where you have to have sold like 500 gazillion homes in order to be on my team type shit stuff. Excuse me. Um, and, um, you know, I, um, uh, I think that everybody deserves an opportunity if they're willing to put in the work. And so, uh, I mean, like I, I give you countless stories of people that uh, have come here and done well. Um, and, um, and some of them moved on. Some of them moved on to start their own teams, which is, which is a beautiful thing. You know, it's a beautiful thing. So it's, uh, um, it, you know, in every day is, is, a, is a learning um, with every, every new agent, and every new person that we encounter, I, learn, I get to learn something. So I meet every single person that joins our company. So uh, every onboarding uh, on Fridays, they usually at 11 a.m., I'll go and have a conversation with the onboarding class. Uh, and uh, it's something that's uh, of huge importance to me. Uh, so I assume you're hiring uh, new agents, uh, people from other industries. Um, are you also hiring some experienced agents or no? 
Oh yeah, yeah. It, what's, what's interesting about what the market did is uh, uh, we're getting a lot more experienced agents into the the team ecosystem. You know, uh, honestly, you know, a lot of team leads out there uh, they feel the pressure of um, existing agents with their own books of business uh, don't want to come to a team because it may be uh, compensation structure or maybe some limitations in what they could do individually as a brand. This is where that adaptability and flexibility comes into play because the independent brokerage, if I need to shift. I can shift, you know, and so um, I, I think that, um, you, you know, so that becomes important there. Uh, but uh, we're starting to see because of the market uh, agents that maybe did 15 deals last year are struggling to do five this year. And so now they're looking towards teams, you know, because we have the systems in place to make the phone ring, to set that appointment, to coach to where the market is today or where it's going. You know, uh, I, I'm partnered with Zillow. Uh, I have the unique competitive advantage to learn from Zillow Um Often. And so, um, you know, I share that with our people, you know, uh, and um, so, yeah, we're starting to see more experienced agents come into the team uh, across the board. My friends that are large team owners as well, they're starting to see that too. So. That's awesome. Uh, one conversation we've had on this show, if, if anyone watching or listening really enjoyed uh, what Levi shared there, I talk a, quite a bit with Chris Lindahl um, up in the Twin Cities area uh, on a similar theme and topic like the power of the team, especially in this market and how it's attracting all kinds of folks. Levi, this is awesome. I got a bunch more follow-up questions, but yeah. I don't have a bunch more time. <laughs> so <laughs> I would love to, sh uh, to have you share with us. Uh, I've got a few fun, quick questions and you can pick one or the other. Uh, one of them is what is your very favorite team besides the Levi Rogers real estate group, or what is the best team you've ever been on? Okay. All right. So, um, you know, I, I'll do one, one in real estate. My, my favorite real estate team aside from ours, you know, of course I'm, I'm biased. Uh, would be the Dalhoun team uh, out of St. Louis, Missouri. My Dalhoun, uh, uh, that man runs a, runs a great organization and so taught me a lot along his journey. Um, and so that's definitely my favorite real estate team aside from mine. Uh, in terms of uh, sports teams, uh, you know, uh, I'm a Spurs fan. Uh, you know, I've, um, you know, I wasn't always a Spurs fan, but uh, I really love the culture of the San Antonio Spurs. I love the support, uh, the support that the city of San Antonio provides the Spurs. Uh, and uh, the Spurs, when I was uh, coming out of the hospital uh, and um, they found out that this young Laker fan was just wounded very badly in Afghanistan, they put me on the Lakers bench. And uh, I thought that was a, a phenomenal gesture. Uh, and uh, that was the moment I became a Spurs fan. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Spurs fan. Beautiful. And, and just a top shelf organization, really good call out. Um, what is, I, I feel like you're going to go with the second question on this one. What, what is one of your most frivolous purchases or what's a cheapskate habit you hold on to, even though you probably don't need to? Oh, wow. Um, my most frivolous purchase, I, I would think uh, it's probably a, a ranch. Um, you know, uh, although it's a great real estate investment, my uh, uh, son and I became obsessed with hunting. And so I bought a ranch, um, and, uh, um, but, uh, uh, which was a great real estate investment. Uh, it's just, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I look back to that and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I spent that much money on, on dirt. But um, uh, yeah, and uh, in, in terms of a, a cheapskate, you know, um, I... Uh, I monitor the damn uh, electric uh, in the HVAC for, for our office uh, from my phone. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that the staff probably, probably drives them nuts, you know, like if it's too hot outside or too whatever, I'm like, hey, Levi, can you turn the air down? So, uh, yeah, yeah um, I guess I'm a cheapskate there for sure. 
That's awesome. Um, how do you, what does it look like for you to either learn, grow and develop or rest, relax and recharge? Like, what are you doing when you're doing one of those two things? Yeah, if I'm rest, relax, relaxing and recharging, I'm out at the ranch. Um, I'm out there just working. Uh, I put myself in an environment where the cell phone's not working and I'm just out there, um, usually with my youngest son, Owen, uh, and uh, we're just out there in nature, just doing our thing, you know, sometimes hunting, uh, sometimes running around on ATVs or sometimes just uh just doing the work that the ranch requires. And uh, I really love it out there. And, and my people around me have told me when I come back, I'm, I'm like, it's just a, a more, it's a different person every time I come back from the ranch. So uh, yeah, going to this the ranch. This is sounding less and less frivolous as you go between family time, allowing you to really <laughs> like unwind and relax and the real estate investment. That's great. I love it. Um, Levi, for folks who've made it here, we're almost, we're over 45 minutes. Um, they may want to learn more about you, about what you're doing with your team. Where would you send people that want to learn more about you and your real estate business? Yeah, you can uh, just uh, follow me on Facebook or, or hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you know, uh, it's just on my personal Facebook. And then, uh, you know, we have a website, lrgrealty.com. You can go there. Uh, but um, I'm pretty easy to find on, on the Internet. And um, just reach out. Uh, I'm very involved. You can call our office. Uh, and be happy to set an appointment and talk with anybody. You know, uh, I wouldn't have what I, I have today um, without the kindness and generosity of people. And oftentimes those people are complete strangers until I met them. And so uh, absolutely 100% willing to help anybody out if they uh, have any questions along the journey as well. Beautiful. I appreciate your philosophy and generosity, just kind of keeping it all going. Uh, you're fantastic. I wish you continued success. I'm going to have you back for some of the zones we didn't cover, uh, but I really enjoy this conversation so much. And again, for folks watching or listening, it's Rogers with a D in it. Rogers. Yep. Uh, and links are right down below wherever you're watching or listening. Levi, I hope you have a great rest of your day and a great rest of the calendar year and a wonderful holiday season. No, absolutely, Ethan. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and hope you have an amazing rest of your year as well. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this episode of Team OS. For email exclusive insights every week, sign up at realestateteamos.com.